Before we kick off, we need to quickly give you a fair warning. What's that, John? This pod might contain some naughty words. It's uncut, and since we're just chatting with people in a relaxed and honest way, there's a chance. Yep, there's a chance. Uh, we are 99% clean, but every now and again, you get excited, and one or two words sneak out through your mouth, right? <laughs> exactly. So if you're listening to this on your school run, I'd probably switch to the Adrian and Joe show. They'll put the fun back in business analysis for you. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Proper polite poms then too. You're locked into 168 FM and listening to Business Analysts on the Ground, the podcast that brings you dope conversations about everyday business analysis. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1, with me, Joe. Me, John. And me, Phil. That's Phil. Phil Sumption, Product Manager at Edozo. Phil's all about customer experience and collaboration. We met a year ago in London at a conference and we just had some really good conversations about social change and really making a difference with the work we do. We also share a mutual love for football, although not the same team, and good food. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, no, it's good to have you here, Phil. So to kick things off, we'd like to know a little bit more about Phil Sumption. Where did you grow up? What was school like? What was uni like? Where are you based at the moment? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Worcester Park. That's a, one of the many suburbs, I guess, of London, uh, southwest London. It's it's a funny one because it's it's London, but it's not central London, and um, it's traditionally Surrey, some one of the more green areas of London, which is nice. And it meant I could uh, I could go to school just just outside of London, in uh, a place called Epsom, which you might, some of you might know from the race course, the famous yeah. race course. Um, it meant, yeah, I didn't really grow up in, I had I had the best of both worlds in a way. I, I had central London 25 minute train away, which was great, so I, could, I could go in there, but I could also go to school in you know, the leaf, leafier suburbs of, of Epsom, which is much quieter and a, quite a nice, more chilled out place to grow up so I always feel quite fortunate for that um, from there uh, yeah I went to school just a, a, a normal school <laughs> uh, I, I was very fortunate I've got I've got friends that I've, I've still got I'm really close to nice uh, some friends for life and um, uh, yeah I stayed for sixth form there as well that was that was still good I still have a, a primary school mate that I'm really close to. I have two, two of them that I'm, I keep, keep in touch with regularly, which is really nice as well. That, okay, so, so tell me, what, what was your nickname at school? And did you like it? Uh, I had a few. The one that stuck was, uh, <laughs> it was Nerdy Phil. Nerdy um, Phil. Yeah, and I've I got to say, I've not done a lot to uh, get rid of that one. No, probably not. <laughs> product manager, yeah. And, and now, I, I didn't even wear glasses then, and I was called Nerdy Phil, so <laughs> I do now. So really, if anything, I've enhanced that nickname that I didn't like. And you like mean you've just nicknames, solidified it, right? <laughs> yeah, with all nicknames, if you push back and you don't really like it that much, it sticks more. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, that's Obviously, awesome, mate. I, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's cool. It's got better with age. <laughs> uh, I, I, I tend to try and give people nicknames actually because it's a really good way of remembering someone's name when you meet them. I find. Um, obviously, I try not to insult them with their nickname straight away, though. Um, <laughs> Just keep it to yourself for a while. A bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I was about to say, remember that we ask you after this conversation what you've chosen for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you've, uh, you've basically solidified uh, that nickname um, while both by wearing glasses now and, uh, and eventually becoming a business analyst. So, uh, so you, how did that happen? Like, how, how, did you, how did you get into that industry? 
Aha. So I I went to uni, of course. I went I went and I studied criminology. As, oh, well. This is kind of kind of key in a way because that's you know the study of crime, why people commit crime. So it's a lot about why, and okay, it's 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 investigative, right? And um, yeah. and that's essentially what business analysis is uh, to an extent. They're analysing criminals. Um, we're we're analysing requirements, uh, customer <laughs> needs. I know that's pretty, a, it's pretty a criminal stretch, on some of some of the days, right? <laughs> certainly, um, but no, from from doing criminology, I didn't I didn't want to become a police officer. If anything, it put me off, uh, which is a shame. But I was I was definitely still interested in the subject. But I kind of came out of uni and didn't really know what I wanted to do. If I'm honest, um, I had a few few little jobs, little admin jobs here and there. I did I did a little bit of a stint. In insurance and uh, quickly realized that wasn't for me and uh, no no further comment on that one just in case there's any insurance of the fathers um, <laughs> but I, I yeah I, <laughs> I was quickly learning stuff I didn't want to do which is was something right and um, I got a chance uh, at a job in customer service and I thought okay I'll take it I've been doing some been doing some admin um, at this point, I, was, I grew up quite a shy kid, to be fair. Uh, at this point, I was getting less shy. And, um, but I still wasn't that keen on phones. Still not, I'm still not hugely keen on phones. because it, it doesn't feel personal enough. Um, and you never know who's on the other end, right? Or well, back then. Obviously, you do now. But, <laughs> um, Different world, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I quickly realized, I got this job and I quickly realized, crap, I need to pick up the phone most of the day. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Maybe I should have looked into the job a bit more. But, um, and I was like, I, I'm not sure if I like this first couple of weeks. And I was like, you know what, Phil, this seems like a really good company. Let's, we're going to stick this out. And I just, I just stuck at it. I stuck at it and I started to really enjoy what I was doing. But I wanted to help the customers more and I, I quickly realized if I really wanted to do that rather than doing a reactionary job of saying oh, I'm sorry you're having a tough time um, maybe try and do this or here's a solution here's a kind of quick win solution or workaround I wanted to build the products in a way that meant the customer had been listened to in the first place their needs had been kind of understood beforehand and you're building a tool that was gonna fit what they wanted, and you weren't trying to kind of hammer it around their needs and work yeah. around that. So, yeah, my frustration with not being able to fully solve that problem is what basically um, put me in the direction of business analysis. Analysis, nice one. It's uh, it's interesting how many of those conversations, um, you know, each with its own nuance and, and uniqueness. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty cool journey. Uh, yeah. I think it's a nice little segue as well. So. Uh, I think you know our season. Our season theme is is lifestyle. You know, it's the the idea that you know there's so many industries and things around us that we just you know encounter on a daily basis. But we we don't always stop and think you know about those industries themselves, but also the people that you know keep them going and and shape them and and mold them. Um, you know, so so you spoke a little bit about about uh, you know how you got into the space, but um, you've you've made a bit of a 360, right? So uh, so for for our listeners who don't know, so Phil's in in property and housing, and he's been there for quite a while, um, you know, almost a decade, um, and and that's definitely something different. You know, it's something we all need and we all can't do without. But it's it's also an age-old industry. You know, it's basically from the start of time and. At least from an outsider's perspective, knowing not much about the industry, it looks pretty stagnant, and you know that it's it sort of kept its traditional mold for years. So, you know, why why this industry for you? You know, why why property? Why why housing? To be honest, I fell into it initially. wasn't looking to work in property, um, but it's one of those things. That the more I worked in it, the more also I grew up and realised I want to buy a house. Right. Even even at I think even the point when I started, <laughs> I I wasn't even renting. No, I was, but I I'd, I'd kind of privately let, so I hadn't really had too much to do with the whole industry myself. So 
I kind of went in there and I was like, God, I don't really know anything about this. And that's a, another reason where like, learn, learning to ask the questions, right? Uh, I, I quickly realized after I'd started, after kind of two, three months, oh, there's loads of questions I probably should have asked early on that I kind of was ashamed not to have known the answer for. Okay. I'm sure we've all done it, right? Yeah, um, plenty. So I, we can segue into that a bit more because in terms of the property industry itself, I didn't pick it. it it chose me and then I, I kind of stuck with it and learned to to understand it better and realize that actually it's such a complex thing and that all the different types of property you've got the different ways of which you can be in a property obtain a property so, no so, there, keep it interesting so, so that's why i wanted to sort of ask i mean i suppose as outsiders um all of us are outsiders to to what everybody else does and and we, we see certain bits and certain parts of it, usually as a consumer, right? I mean, we've all rented, bought, sold houses, I guess, or, or most of us have at this stage in our life. And we have a particular view of it. You know, we've got, we've got the customer view, but that, that only sort of dips into the processes and the stages at, at different points. So I, I sort of wonder what else is behind it, these complexities that, that we just don't see, that we, you know, that we, we can't appreciate because we don't know about them. Mm, okay there's just i guess the biggest problem to solve in property at least in the in the uk is the length of time it takes and that's the biggest challenge okay uh, that is something as a buyer you definitely do see but you don't necessarily see why it takes that long and all of the different stages you have to go through so you, traditionally uh, where i worked right move it's it's trying to deal with finding that property and the stage of mm finding it but then the stage afterwards so you can find it relatively quickly like it's easy to browse the properties on the site and be like i like look at that one but then you have to go okay i, I now want to view this property and that stage is is not as quick as you'd hope um the thing is that as an estate agent you want to build a, a kind of catalog of people that you know are searching for property Therefore, if someone calls you wanting to view your property, you know statistically it's probably not going to be the one. It's, a re it's one of the biggest decisions you're going to make in your life. So you want to get this person's details, understand what they want, and then you can kind of tailor your service according to that, knowing that this property is probably not going to be the one. But you know what? You might get a new property come on in a couple of weeks' time. Bang, I need to... I need to call Joe, I need to call Jean, and I need to be like, hey, this is the property for you. Come come see it with us and make sure that they yeah. buy it through you and you can get that commission. Um, so actually, you as a consumer, when you're trying to view a property, it actually can be a bit of a lengthy process because they want to take all these details. And you then, yeah. as the consumer, is fighting that because one, it's your <laughs> data that you're giving away. Exactly. Two, it's your time you're giving away. Three, you just we're used to getting things like that really fast and it's it's not necessarily the case. They've got a calendar that they need to fit you in, you've got working hours, your working hours are often the same as the estate agent's working hours. Yeah. So this is just the, the, the house finding phase as well and searching, looking. Yeah. This isn't even the purchasing stage of this with deeds offices and all of that sort of local council bureaucracy. This mm. is this is theoretically yeah. the easy part, right? theoretically it just really <laughs> ramp, it really really ramps up after that so even yeah. once you've found the property you want um it's it's where we've just tried to inadvertently we've made life really hard for ourselves trying to to get that property all of the conveyancing that needs to go through um all of these if, you don't, if you don't mind me asking yeah um is uh, so so if so so tell us a little bit what does a dozo do exactly because because uh, you're explaining that feels like you've um, I want to say move to the like the, I don't want to say easier but the like little more streamlined <laughs> bits of bits of the process you just explained um, <laughs> what do you what do you guys do and, and where do you sit in that funnel now yeah sure so um, in in terms of that funnel it's now just the surveying stage or largely the surveying stage and maybe right. uh, some other kind of segues from that to 
architects and things like that. But okay. this is focused around commercial property and uh, the, the, essentially the documentation um, of that property that you need as part of that survey. So uh, at the moment, what we're concentrating on is, is the map side of things. So as okay. a surveyor, it's really key commercially for sure um, that you understand actually how large is that property? What is the, the floor area of that property? And you identify that clearly on a map. And we're helping them do that uh, amongst so sort of many platform things. platform as a service service type thing. Yeah, business to business. Um, that they'll log in, they'll use the map, they'll identify the area uh, of the commercial property uh, that they're surveying, uh, put it on the map, print it in a PDF, put that in the file with the rest of the the evidence they need for that survey. Okay. You, you, not, you, not loads more to it than that. You insinuated <laughs> earlier that you've been in this game a little while. Um, I, I'm guessing you're a homeowner now and you said that you started before you were a homeowner. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's probably been quite a change in tech during that time. And um, if, I, if I'm correct, Rightmove is not an estate agent, but it's more a portal where multiple state agents can list, right? So, um, I mean, I, I, I remember, you know, obviously it used to be like um, a little shop in a marketplace with some properties in the window and that sort of changed to, to um, having some sort of portal online where all the local property was brought together, probably the same property listed multiple times by, by different people. Um, but I'm wondering what else, what other tech, I mean, what, what, what sort of has changed in the industry over, over your time in it? So innovations in estate agency, clutching at straws there. No, maybe that's not fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know so what you're saying is there's still lots for you to do. <laughs> oh, for sure. But um, because it is a traditional market uh, and people are used to physically going, walking into an estate agency, seeing what properties they've got and going from there. And it can often be family chains that's gone down generations and you get this kind of, you can get this attitude of, well, that's what, the way we've always done it. Um, and, you know, this is our bread and butter, the, the kind of shop in the high street, as it were. Um, and the game's changing and just, just like everything really, but this one feels a little naturally is is slower than others because the industry itself is slow just getting a property um but it all of that means is people that do want to disrupt and change the game have got a real chance to do that and you've seen um companies like purple bricks have been able to do that and a lot of the reason why purple bricks have been able to to become a just an online only estate agency so they have no kind of physical um, structure as it were on oh, the wow. high street um, the reason they've been able to do that is because of property portals like Rightmove and Zoopla that people know and, and love and will go to to find their the property that their next property that they want. Um, so they're kind of cashing in on that new way of searching for property. And it's controversial um, for normal estate agents because they, they see them eating into their, their turf a lot and they're not set up to be quick and reactionary um, like other businesses might be you, you see the same with with banks as well mm. these big kind of immobile banks yeah. That, yeah. that have all these systems built and ways of working yeah. they can't just quickly adjust to your monzos of the world yeah big ships take a while to steer yeah exactly. so, so same in a lot of industries i want to take a bit of a sidestep here um let's let's get into i mean we talked we talked about the industry it'd be nice to have a, a a sort of a little more of a look into the day in the life of i guess so and i'm always fascinated by people's routines so what does phil do in the first 60 minutes of his day what what, what does that like look like how do you get going um okay that's a good one i'm more of a morning person to an extent i'd probably do get the most amount of work done 
in the morning hours rather than the, the later afternoon. Um, I've normally managed to use my commute to do something I enjoy, which has eased me into the day. I think that's a really key one. Sorry, do you, do you drive? Do you train? Do you bike? So yeah, I'm I'm commuting on the train into London, and now I'm I'm further out in in sorry south of London. It takes a little while, so it's a good hour, so I can nice. I can listen to a podcast, maybe this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no podcasts, similar kind of things to this. Maybe may, maybe I don't want anything to do with work in the morning. Sometimes whip out the Nintendo Switch. That's a really okay. good way to ease myself into the day. Nice. In terms of one, once I get into the office, first thing I do, I'm looking at that calendar. What have I got lined up for the day? Are there meetings here that I, I need to be on the ball for and prepped on? Um, sometimes there might be some bits where there's been a meeting yesterday and there's some action points. I will try and hit those immediately afterwards. Um, or immediately in the morning so oh, okay there's this new project and we need to scope out uh, some more of the key requirements whilst my brain's kind of most switched on in the morning i'll try and crack on with that normally nice okay yeah i think i think it's a it's a it's a habit that i that i hear about a lot is is this idea of deep focus i think i want to say carl newport cal newport I think there's a, there's a nice book called Deep Work, um, you know, which speaks to a lot of this. Um, you, you know, you, you sort of, you sound like you're pretty, I don't want to use the word particular, but like um, structured, um, which makes sense. Um, but is there, is there any like one specific thing or like secret, um, you know, for you that when you, when you get home at night, when you get onto that train, when you, when you get back, you know, on your way back to home, where you go, my day was good. Like, what is that like? That one thing, if you can tick that box, or you could, you know, you you make sure you've you've gone for your run, or like whatever that is, um, and you know that that sort of just makes your day um, a good one. Is you have anything like that? Yeah, um, it's progression. It's seeing nice. it. We're all too quick to talk about a problem, uh, and an idea. Um, it is obviously really important to talk about it, but actually taking the steps to make that a reality, that's what mm. kind of gets me up in the morning, making things happen rather than just talking about it. So if we've had a really productive kind of meeting, but then we've got action points out of that and we're actioning those and I can see the progress. That's what I love about uh, a Kanban board or a scrum board, seeing that progress. So it, it can go all the way from having a really nice stand up in the morning where you can see actually oh, this sprint is going to plan somehow uh, for a change. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be able to it's see. It's always them. good when that happens. Yeah. And that, that's what it, it's all about for me in terms of doing the more scrum mastery stuff is seeing the incremental improvement from sprint to sprint. And, and then you as a team kind of say, actually, this isn't working. Let's try this new thing out. We try it out. Maybe it doesn't work the first time, but you know what? We've gone. It didn't, and then we tried it again, and and we can see the progress on the board. We can see it in terms of the story points we've earned. You know, that's what that's so, what I consider a good day. Those sorts sorts of things. Nice forward movement, right? Yeah, that's Forward. awesome. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's interesting that um, like the idea of forward movement. It's it seems pretty simple. Um, uh, when you were when you were speaking about scrum boards just now, you know, I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, I'm the sort of person that like I look at those things that stay stuck. Um, you know, the ones that are moving are good, but the ones that say stay stuck, they they sort of stay with me as well. Um, yeah. But but I also think like progression, you know, often comes from I think from from learning and like going through things and you know understanding how things work. And I think you spoke a little bit about your I want to say your journey and you know where you started out and how you've. I want to say pivoted a couple of times um, in terms of like, you know, what you like, figuring out what you didn't like. Um, is, there, is there anything I want to say, fail is such a hard word, but is there anything that you've, um, you know, failed at in the past or like just, you know, sucked it really badly that's um, at that point in time looked like a really bad thing, but then eventually like sort of set you up for success later or, you know, taught you a valuable lesson or, you know, you gave you the tools to, to, to stick it out and, and to, to get that forward movement going. Oof, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. 
feels a bit like an interview, Sean. Um, <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. It's a good question. Um, you know what? When I first kind of started at Rightmove and I was doing all these customer calls, I just was constantly making post-its. And I know that's like the number one tool of any good VA. So <laughs> it is. But it's also a massive sign that you're hugely disorganized when all of those post-its are actions you need to do. And I actually, my screen literally all the way around it at one point had just post-its. Like a PowerPoint border. Yeah. I'm so lucky you're not seeing my screen at this point in time. (laughs) It's, but what it made me realize is crap. I'm not, I'm not managing my day. I'm, I haven't got enough like white space in the calendar to tick these off. They're just growing. And, and that, that was a, it was then not having the, I guess the guts isn't the word, but the, the, the drive or feeling empowered enough to then push back and say, this is too much. Okay. Too so much. I can't, can't do all this. And that's, that was a massive lesson for, for me. Okay. That's so, good so, advice as well. So the solution was to push back, not to try and do what, not to try and find smarter ways of doing things not to prioritize it it was to actually say you know what i got enough on my plate and this stuff either needs to wait or go somewhere else i'm uh, i'm big on kind of working smart uh not overworking hard do both of them if you can but um <laughs> <laughs> work hard at work it's safe i'll go with that um <laughs> uh but so i yeah i did I did try and make things easier for myself, improve processes, love doing that, but there's only so much you can do. And, and as a business keeps growing and you, you don't grow certain areas, they start to, to get growing pains. So it's, and I guess I just had this perception that the, the manager, the director, other people would see this problem naturally because it was so obvious <laughs> to me. Surely you could see there's too much here. And they can't, they genuinely can't. And that's not because they don't want to, no. but they, they've got their own, you know, Post-it notes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so you, it's, it was kind of, that was a big learning point for me is going, actually, I'm going to push back on this, not push back, but I'm going to make them see. So then we can make the, the real improvements there that's also going to make the process better yeah and that's a, that's a nice way of doing it i mean it, it is important i think we can all feel stress and duress in the projects mm-hmm. that we do uh, and there's a healthy level of working hard and working smart and then at some point it tips doesn't it you know and and, and the weight exactly. feels just a bit much on our shoulders and um and, and i think i mean i like to come into work with with the spirit that actually everybody likes coming into work that they that their default is to want to do a good job not to try and get out of doing things, you know, it's, it's harder to pretend to work than to do work, you know, most of the time. Um, so if somebody does say something to you like that, you, you've got to take it for what it is and say, you know, actually yeah. this is genuine. And actually the person has probably been feeling this for quite a while and it's probably taken them, I mean, you used the word guts and, and there probably is some guts in, in going to tell your mm. boss that you're not able to handle the amount of stuff that they're giving you, you know, it, you can feel a bit defeated by that um you don't have the confidence i I, I want to move um back into something you said at the beginning it feels like a nice time we're talking about learning growth and stuff um and techniques that work or don't work you talked about criminology you know and you were drawing the parallels between your studies and the business analysis discipline talking about you know being curious and investigating and stuff like that are there any, I mean, uh, it, might, it might just be a simple no to me now, but are there any techniques that you've been able to sort of use or, or bastardize from, from that into what you do? <laughs> um, Apart from carrying a firearm, right? <laughs> <laughs> you need that in some stakeholder means, don't you? Um, <laughs> I think, yes, I, I think there are. Um, so it's, it's the assumptions to use my surname as well. Um, <laughs> in it, it, this applies to pretty much any uni course to an extent, but 
you can't just assume stuff you have to back it up all the time with references and it's it's the same with your analysis uh, you can't just assume that's what the end user wants you need to go mm. do interviews you need to understand the user what they're trying to do what they're trying to achieve what their end goal is understand the real crux of the problem the essence of you're the trying experience. to find evidence right exactly yeah, and, I, and I'm and, glad you and, used and I'm glad you used the word interview and not interrogation. <laughs> well, criminology found out that doesn't work so well, so <laughs> we should probably take that lesson as well. Um, but it's and just like in uh, just like for cops, you could falsify evidence and you can falsify requirements to to meet your needs, which is something perhaps a few of you have come across. Um, in your careers where people really want a specific change maybe it's a yeah. stakeholder and they don't actually really understand why they want it or it's a change that doesn't fully solve the problem it's just a plaster right and that happens in in crime all the time or the criminology system or the, the law system They're, they just want to find someone to pin it on and it can be yeah. the same uh, for us as a analyst it's like oh well this problem keeps dropping up here's a really quick solution we could do let's do that and it's just the same they can be like oh well, that guy was on the crime scene and he he's a bit dodgy so <laughs> let's find let's find some evidence to pin it on him and uh, let's just get someone behind bars we know he's, we know he's a dodgy guy or we know this is a dodgy bug in the yeah. software so let's let's solve that but it doesn't actually solve the real problem that the end users have me you can make it fit right but it's it's not it's not the real thing yeah. no it's just going to prop up in another form again so that's yeah. okay that's just going to go kill somewhere else and, and i think what was going through my mind while you said that was not maybe deliberately falsifying stuff but yeah. in my experience i do find that sometimes we don't get out from behind our desks often enough we don't go speak to users so we're often quite creative in the requirements and yeah. by that i mean we, yeah. we we've heard what you need so we can figure out what's going to solve that without really speaking to you so it just comes from such a uninspired dead place really so yeah i think getting out there and um being more curious about stuff and listening is very helpful and and on that word curious um thank you for taking us through your your potted career history here as you say it's, a, it's almost been a bit like an interview we'll, we'll let you know the outcome when we publish the podcast you'll have to listen to find out if you've got the job guilty or not but um what, what, what's next for you i mean what, what are you curious about right now um what are you reading about what do you think the next step looks like for you Oof. um I always try uh, have a bit of a plan together, uh, but not nothing too detailed. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like agile, um, but <laughs> I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. So I'm just going from business analyst analysis to um, product management. Uh, lots of similarities, to be honest. At least the way I was doing BA at right move to to here, and um, but also lots of kind of fun differences so for me the future is at the moment quite clear kind of keep working on uh, my skills to push a project forward or a product forward um, but alongside that it's it's in the people side of it that really drives me a lot of the time so I want to build myself up to a point where I'm at a stage where I can give people really good advice and and coach people essentially to be to be the best version of themselves. That's that's something I've always been really passionate about for myself to try to be the best version of me. And if I can impart if I can somehow get some some wisdom that's good enough to impart on them that that'd be a real pleasure. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so, so Phil, I mean, um, it's pretty interesting. I, I think we've spoken about this before, um, you know, when, when we met up in London. And, uh, and I've also recently made that change, you know, gone into product management. Um, and 
there's definitely a lot of uh, similarities, but uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, at least, you know, my experience has been that it, there's a lot of like little nuances in there. Um, you know, it's, it's, some of it is the same, but it's, it's just got a bit of a tweak on it. Um, and you spoke about, you know, wanting to, to, you know, towards the future, be able to mentor and give people advice. So, you know, if, if anyone is jumping into this space from the, from the little bit of, um, you know, um, the recent challenge that you've had is, is there any advice, you know, any, like thing that stands out to you that you'd go like, you know, watch out for this, like, you know, this will trip you up or, you know, um, anything like that. Mm, that's a good question. I try not to box yourself. It's um, the, the BA kind of role is super. Um, it's not the opposite to nuance. I'm trying to think of the word, but it's really, um, it's a midfield role if we're going to refer to football. Both of our loves. It's, <laughs> it can be, you could be the defensive midfielder, you can be the attacking midfielder, you can be holding midfielder. You know, it's and you can nuance out. You can go out to the wings. You go up front. Midfielders can kind of do a bit of everything, right? And I feel like with business analysis, it's it's a role that you can go off in lots of different directions you can see you see business analysis is business analysts go to the qa they might they find the testing side of things because the ba gets involved in that the ba gets involved to an extent with signing off work and and seeing what the developers have done so some bas end up going into development some bas like more of the strategic side and then they they head in that direction so don't be afraid to be like, oh, there's this certain part of being a BA that I really enjoy. Um, don't feel like, oh, but I've I've done BA. I'm just not. I'm just a yeah. BA. Like that's a terrible phrase. You're not just a BA, and you're not just what's on your written on that job spec on that job. Lovely. And just don't be afraid to be like, this yeah. is the bit I really enjoy. So I'm going to go after that and. That's cool. Sometimes that's just finding another BA role that concentrates more on that side. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually, oh, I'm more interested in the product or I'm more interested in managing how the project's going. Yeah. I get that. I think that's, that's very good advice. Switch it up, right? Change it up a little. Yeah. And <laughs> you can't, you can't go wrong because if, if you switch up and you're like, actually, I'm not enjoying this as much. You've, you've got an answer there to a problem. You've just solved something. I know you might, it might feel crappy at the time. Oh, I'm not enjoying this, but you've given yourself an answer of something that you don't want to do. So yeah. you can take that one off and then you can move on again. Take the yeah. lessons. And you, and you touched so, on that at the beginning as well, didn't you? You talked about the fact that part, part of the journey here is finding out what you don't like as well as what you like. And you can't roll a six every time, can you? So let's, let's take it. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, so speaking of switching it up, um, so we've uh, we've got a little bit of a tradition here on the pod um, that we may have alluded to when we spoke to you, and uh, it's this uh, idea of uh, seeding a question. So uh, since you found yourself as a lucky number one, um, yeah. you don't necessarily have one, um, but uh, but you've got a question, uh, you know, that that's almost paying it forward, and uh, you know, and I think it's pretty pertinent to the conversation. Um, I don't know if you um, if you mind elaborating on that a little bit and uh, you know giving us a bit of your thought on that. Yeah, sure. Um, I was talking to someone once about Netflix, um, and basically they're just saying, "I spend twenty minutes just trying to find something to watch." And uh, we talked about this idea of analysis paralysis, and you can link that exactly to the kind of stuff that we're doing. Uh, in terms of when how much is enough analysis and how much is too much when do you need to just be like you know what we're going down a rabbit hole here it's just growing and growing and growing and we're not going to get those answers in a decent time scale so let's just crack on or versus kind of actually we have no idea what we're doing we've made these tickets they haven't got much acceptance criteria the developers picking it up and then They've got 101 questions and, or, or even worse, they're picking it up. They're, they're making assumptions. 
yeah. they're developing it and then it's not the right thing um like at all it's fine if it's not the right thing to an extent mm. you can pivot on it but yeah that <clears throat> that fine line yeah that's where i think uh, you as a, a product manager or as a business analyst or whoever's in that kind of space where they're looking on the outside as it were they're not in down in the dirt per se of, of the code base or yeah and making the magic happen so i'd say um you ha you have to have a fine eye for that of actually we've talked mm. about this too much now we need to just get some kind of prototype or mvp out there it's a movement um, right yeah some some that, kind of that progression you were speaking about a little earlier <laughs> yeah i was you're just standing still like that's my main um, problem with with tickets that don't add value at the end when they're in this done column but actually yeah. they're waiting on an, another ticket in order to actually realize any end user value and it's the same thing every time you're having a conversation about something that you want to do you're you're not giving the end user any value at that point especially if it's a buck and you're talking about mm. how to solve it you can just spend too long thinking about the perfect solution I think it's I, I think it's tricky tricky that I I think you know it's um, I always get quoted this um, by my wife you know it's it's this idea of you know perfect um, is the enemy of good enough and yeah. uh, you know and it's it's about it's about finding that yeah and I think when you're in a in a, in a really good company with, with great people you want you want to strive for perfect that's why you're there that's what gets you up in the morning right trying to make the end user's life easier so you can get stuck in that i think um it's it's difficult i i asked this question and i paid this question <laughs> forward because i don't have the answer right well that's what we figured and that's why we thought you know what actually um you know so some of the other people have just given us a straight, uh, straight question but as you put some narrative around it i thought actually let, let's try and dig into this a bit and see what's going on in your head i mean as, as i listen to this i mean a couple of things jump into my mind one just, just the project management iron triangle springs to mind straight away. Time, cost, quality. Those are the things that we're always mm -hmm. trying to balance. Those are the, yeah. the things that we're, we're trying to sort of figure out which of these are the most important. And, and you can only have two, you can't have three and, and all that old stuff. But, but that's very much a, a project management triangle. And I've sort of looked at business analysis triangles in the past. And for me, what, what the business analysis or, and maybe product as well, is around the activities where you talk about the value, you know, what, what are you enabling mm. people to do? The benefit that comes because of those activities and the change around being able to really sort of embed them in, in whatever place in the organization or, or customer heart it is in order to be able to do that. And I, and I think we play around with those things, really. It's a bit like a cat's paw, isn't it? We sort of, you know, play around with these <laughs> and, hope that, and hope that it ends up and that we're making good good decisions along the way mm. to get there. But another factor as well, which I think plays heavily, is it's the type of project you're working on. So, so building a product is one thing, but if, and I mean, there's so much compliance around these days as well. If you're on one of these projects that is dealing with some international standard around data, privacy, security, or something like that, then your risk appetite's going to be a lot less as well so the level of analysis that you need to do is probably going to be much more substantial than if you're just trying to get to market soonest with a particular app because you know that actually if you can get the mass um, around subscriptions then you're pretty much sorted no matter what so there's yeah. so much context context i think that plays into this yeah, it's an interesting question. And we're going to ask our next guest. And so you're going to have to tune in to, to see. I'm looking see forward to that one. Yeah, really to, see, to, that. to see what they have to say. Um, okay, so, so we're going to get into some fun stuff now. Not that this hasn't been fun, but um, the less serious questions, I guess. Tell me, what's something you're not very good at? Oh, um probably something a lot of people aren't good at to be fair but um i think it's difficult disagreeing with someone i'm someone who will always try and listen understand their perspective and be like okay yeah that's fair enough but just straight up going no you're wrong because i do i just don't i don't <laughs> see things as black and white as that i never do 
Um, and I think that's why uh, sometimes I won't have this kind of staunch opinion or something and really push it forward um, the way that perhaps I should. So it's kind of that. Um, yeah, but I, I think that's good. And I actually, I think I share that with you. And um, mm. because, because, I mean, we all have opinions, right? But it'd be wrong not to listen to another opinion. And I do then find myself, I sort of settle in the middle between the two. But then somebody else will throw something else in and that changes my mind again. Um, I guess it depends on how stubborn we are about that particular thing, right? Yeah, it, it does. But I just find them really that stubborn and I, I get that that's hopefully a good thing but just that sometimes uh, you need to share an opinion and there'll be a point where you need to have a view on a direction that you should go for the sake of moving something forward so that's something yeah. I, I i think i should get better at okay, okay. awesome we're gonna we're gonna jump into uh, something we call quick fire nine um so nice. it's it's pretty simple uh, you just you have to pick one, right? Um, so you you can't go grey, got to be black or white, you know. Cool, cool. <laughs> now, that you've, now that you've shared your <laughs> now that you've shared your weakness with us, we will we will exploit it kindly. Yeah, um, no, no pass, no alternative. You know, as difficult as it might be, you got to commit and you know just choice. Yeah, yeah. Good. You're ready. All right. Yeah. Process or data? Uh, process. Agile waterfall. Agile. <laughs> Business <laughs> or IT? Uh, uh, IT. Buy or rent? <laughs> Buy every day. <laughs> Paperback or Kindle? Uh, Kindle. Formal education or self-taught? Really depends, John. Um, <laughs> self-taught. Self-taught. Arsenal or Liverpool? Arsenal. Desk lunch or canteen lunch? Canteen lunch. You've got to socialise. East Enders or Coronation Street? They're both terrible, East Enders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, love that. I journey with I, my friend. That is 1-0 no, to the Arsenal. 1-0 to the Arsenal. I feel, I feel like Michael Thomas has just visited Anfield, you know? But uh, at least we got nine episodes, so you can't like get away with just a one nil robbery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So that that pretty much um we start wraps things up really, Phil. But um, I I do want to know: is there anything we we should have asked you? Is there anything you'd like us to have asked you that we didn't? Ah, Any I thought you. I thought you were going to ask what's what's the biggest problem in my current day to day working, and I'm glad you didn't ask that. Okay. Um, what, you want us to ask that? <laughs> is that a ask me or a don't ask me? Like I'm quite happy, quite happy not to answer that. Okay. <laughs> this podcast's not ten hours long, is it? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, well, now pretty chuffed with the, the questions. Don't know about my answers, but we'll see. Okay. Um, well, a train trip into London is going to reveal all to you one day. So, so that would be cool. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about listening to myself back, but it's yeah. got to be done. Okay. All right. Well, on that then. So um, where can people get in touch with you if, if they want to chat further? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Twitter? Do we have at Nerdy Phil as a handle? <laughs> that's a good idea maybe i should bring it back um uh linkedin definitely twitter i have it but i don't use it a lot to be fair um but i'm you know my name's pretty rare you'll you'll be very there's only a uh one potato farmer called philip sumption other than that i don't think there's really any others you'll easily find me um, so for our listeners that's phil not philip and uh, if you see potatoes, you you don't, you got the wrong guy. You're in the wrong place. Yeah, but um, yeah, just just hit me up on any of those. I'd be happy to have a chat. Lovely, awesome. nice one, nice one. Well, thanks for coming on, Phil. It's it's been great to chat with you. Um, yeah, really, sort of been cool just to to see and hear what you do. I think uh, it's given us great insight into uh, the life of a BA in the in the property world and in 
in Surrey. So thanks, man. Yeah, it's Absolute been a pleasure, pleasure. Mate. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to seeing you in person and sharing a beer. Oh, sounds amazing. Sounds yeah. good. Cool. Thanks, guys. Shot, man. Thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, please pass the pod via Twitter, Instagram, or even sticky notes under the table in a review meeting. Yeah, look, whatever your weapon of choice, tag us with 168FM. That's the words 1, 6, and 8, not the numbers. You can also leave us a comment on the blog, 168.FM. We'd love to hear what you think. We would. Comments are gold. But that's it for now. This episode is a wrap. Until the next time, Jean, do you want the last word? Word. You're locked in to 168FM and listening to Business Analysts on the Ground, the podcast that brings you dope conversations about everyday business analysis. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1, with me, Joe. Me, Jean. And me, Phil. I think we need to go again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mine auto-muted. My bad. <laughs> I thought you said 10 second gap there. <laughs> <laughs> Not there. Yeah, one okay. drop. Yeah, one drop. <laughs> Still you a long you, podcast for you, you to be made a dick. Stop you, it. <laughs> you think this is his first fuck up, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>